Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with the one and only Joel Bon Jovi. Yeah. Living on a prayer, man. Yeah, I like your I like your music. You like my music? Yeah. It's fairly good. It's pretty good, man. Uh, Joel, what was your high-low for yesterday? For yesterday? Yeah, specifically yesterday. Um, as a day before this one. Mm, it was a Tuesday. Uh, my high-low. Wow. Uh, well, I would say that my low was the rain. Yeah, definitely the rain. It bugged me. I don't like it when it rains and... My daughter wanted to um, go play outside with me, and we couldn't do that. And it just was frustrating because it's like their last day of summer. Yeah, right they, before school. Because they start school today. So that was the low. I would say the high was, I don't know. I was really, I, I, I felt well-rested. Oh, no, I took some time. But yeah, so yesterday... I had a crazy week leading up until to this Sunday and Monday. And then Tuesday, I kind of hit the wall. Yeah. So I took the morning off, took the dog on a walk, and fell asleep on the couch for two hours. Oh, that's always nice. And that was really, it was like a, it was like a full-on like sleep cycle. Yeah. Those are rare. So my whoop band congratulated me for my nap. Oh, nice. Whooped you up? Yeah, it whooped me up. It was like, whoop, whoop. Good nap. Uh, you do that with your kids, right? But you call it something else. Don't what? You? The high-low. And we call it like super pooper. Super pooper. Mm-hmm. They love that. They yeah. like to call it that. Uh, mine was, yeah, what was um, yours? Dan Carr and I got to do a fun shoot with Sarah Bedell. For, um, it's like a rooted promo video that we're okay. doing. And the low was in that time frame of it raining on and off. Ooh. Yeah, so it was kinda, like both at the same time. Yeah. But we So Rudy we made is it work. A, the women's event. Yep. Nice. <sighs> All right. Okay. We got to take a we got to take a quick oh, break. I felt like it that was it was time for a break already. Yeah. So uh today's sponsor of this episode is Dunkin Donuts. Mm. Joel, you're a coffee guy, right? Yep. When you need your midday pick me up but you don't want to drive anywhere, where do you go? Around here? Yeah. You got two options. That's that's in walking distance. That's in walking, that Sweetwater Cafe. Yeah. Or Duncan. Yep. And pretty much everybody goes to Duncan. Yeah, and that's because it's in walking distance of it the is. church. It is. It's just barely okay enough to justify not having to drive anywhere. That's right. Uh, so nice. if all you listeners out there, the tens of thousands, yep. if you use the code 514church at checkout, you have a chance that they'll make your order right. <laughs> you have a chance. Yep. There, you might you might, uh, you might, might strike gold. So we just did part five of Who Are You Wearing? And if you missed all of them up to this point, you can watch part four because Joel did a 25-minute recap of, right. of all of them. So I did. Uh, just kidding. You got to watch them all. You probably need to watch them all. Yeah. In part five, you uh, you told the Cameron Mitchell milkshake story. I did. So uh, 
What's the equivalent of that that gets told around here for staff and volunteers? Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, ex- good um, question. So, for those of, that didn't listen, the milkshake story is a Cameron Mitchell story about how he he basically built his company on this premise that organizational culture equals behaviors repeated at scale, and the behavior that was kind of the the pinnacle, the framed behavior that represented the heart and brand and and behavior for for all the associates all the way down is this idea that if if someone asks for a milkshake, even if it's not on the menu, you go get it because you always have milk and vanilla ice cream, you know, yeah. in a blender. So you can make a milkshake. And so it's yes is the answer you know, now what's the question is his book. And, and so behaviors repeated at scale. That's a really good, that's a really good, you know, question. I think that probably for us, um, you know, in our church, we've always just, we've always had this very, very inviting belonging type church where everyone is welcome, you yeah. know? And I know that it's like, that's like a classic thing people say, come as you are, everybody's welcome here, all that stuff. But, you know, we've really always been just the kind of people that embrace everybody no matter what. And I think that is something that gives people a very behavioral kind of, I know what to do. It's like someone may might come in and and maybe they don't look like they fit, whatever that might mean, or or they don't, talk like they fit or whatever, but our disposition is you do fit and we do love you and we do want you to be a part of this community if, if you want to be. So I would say that that's a, that's a piece. What would you say it is? Um, well, I wrote down, you'll, it's, it's not going to surprise you. Okay. Uh, since working here, the one thing that's been really heavily emphasized is that everyone who walks through our doors is unquestionably welcomed. Yeah. There you go. So it's it's definitely he did not tell me that before. No. I, I would say so. I think that's a behavior that gets repeated at scale. Yeah, for sure. It, it, love for people, genuine compassion and open armed receptivity of all people, no matter what. Um, yeah, and it, it's on a different level. Like you hear that around most places, but it's on a different level. I would here. say so. I think it is. Um, yeah. So. I think that that marks our our culture quite a bit, and um, I, I don't know. That's yeah, that's the main one. You hit a lot on the cost of following Jesus, and then Jesus mm-hmm. says, "Okay, so uh, you want to follow me? Mm-hmm. Then show me with your finances. Mm-hmm. Show me with your humility of apologizing to someone for something you did mm-hmm. ten years ago." And we go, "Hold up, wait a minute." Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know I was actually going to have to do anything yeah. to follow you. Right. I thought I just had to show up at the will call and get my free right, ticket, my you know? Yeah, you're right. Why is it such a struggle for us to do these things that we know will make us become more like the best human that's ever walked on the earth? Why is it such a struggle? I, for, I, I, you know, again, I think people aren't don't know that that's the goal. You know, I think that's the first part. And, yeah. and and that's what the series is, is, is really making, making being and acting and behaving like Christ your goal. And so 
if you, if you don't have a goal, then you don't really have, you don't know what steps to take. Yeah. And so I think, um, that could be a big part of it, which we've talked about and, you know, evaluating who, who determines your value system. Um, and it's not just, Oh, God loves me for who I am. And that's all that matters. And it's like, no, that, that, that matters tremendously hundred percent in a certain respect. And, and he's got this whole plan for your life to be transformed dramatically in a very practical daily way. And, uh, I, I think it's hard because we lose conchi, like we lose our ability to focus, you know? So we just so naturally run on the treadmill of whatever it is life is bringing our way. And, without being conscientious, without being intentional, you know, we can move from, oh, I'm at church and I'm going to church and I want to be like Christ to those little moments where God is leading us to do something that is not something we would typically do. And we don't, we don't, we're not alert to that reality. So we just kind of like put it on the, like the back, processing part of our mind and and we kind of end up going down grooves and pathways that have already been created. And so I think that people don't aren't aware enough of why they're doing what they're doing. And so um because I I and then I do think there are some people who know what they're supposed to do and they just don't do it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's too hard. But I think that it's probably more about understanding what your goal is and signing up for being a follower of Christ means you're going to pattern your life after his, means you're going to live like him and behave like him. And and then you're going to be alert when you're kind of just going through life in certain in certain forks in the road, present themselves, and you're going to go, now what is the right God move here? And I'm going to do this right now. I just think that process takes a lot of maturity and a lot of you know, consciousness, like a lot of like brain power and focus yeah. that we just don't have. We just kind of float through life. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is the church's fault for not telling people that that's not okay. And, and that's what Jesus is doing in that moment. You know, if you didn't listen to the message, you know, uh, in the, in, in, in respect to the milkshake story, Jesus has kind of done a bunch of milkshake work. Like he's like, in the sense that uh, if Jesus asked us for a milkshake and we didn't have it on our menu, we might go, okay, well, I guess I can go make a milkshake. Like most of us could probably, if we went into our houses right now, like make a milkshake. Yeah, figure it out. Figure something out. But um, that what the question I asked is, well, what if the request is more? Like, what if he's not just asking you for a milkshake, which might be like, go to church or read your Bible. But what if he's asking you to like call an enemy and apologize? Or like, what if he's asking you to just uh, be patient and not talk, just listen? Like literally you're in a conversation with your wife and you think you're right. You feel you're right. You know, you're right. But like, he's saying like, just be quiet. Like, just be, just don't talk. Just listen and acknowledge and engage and be gentle. And you know, that's going on. 
and and there's just those moments that come that's like more than a milkshake request. It's like a kind of an extraordinary, and it's almost just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it right now. Um, and uh, and so I think that when Jesus has this conversation in John chapter six, he's like, you you know, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, you can go listen to the message, but effectively, he's saying it's way more than just me doing miracles on the hillside for you. Yeah. It's not just me giving you bread. It's you need to eat me, not just me give you bread that you eat. You need to fully devote yourself to the followership of me. And that could mean going down pathways. And I talked about in the message of like, it's not just like die. Like it gets extreme. You need to die to yourself. And people think they lose themselves, but it's not about losing self. It is about finding self. Yeah. It's finding about your real self. finding your real self, finding who God made you to be. And the world that we live in, we believe that humans are fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God, but have flaws and will wander off the path. And so you have what, what I talked about is think of it more as a tour guide who's been there a thousand times. And he's not like trying to just like show you he's in control. He's not just trying to ruin your fun. Yeah. He's literally telling you to do something that is best. It's the best thing. It doesn't mean it won't cost something. It just, it's the best thing. Because what you want to do will cost you something too. So that doesn't mean that what you want to do is better either. It's saying, and that's what the, the Christian life is, is saying, I know or I believe wholeheartedly that what God has for me is actually best. So when he prompts me to make that phone call or he prompts me to silent my, my mouth or he prompts me to go over to that person and talk to them or serve them or do something, like that's where the tour guide's going. You want to go this way. It might look harder, but this is better for you. This is like what it's all about. And that's uh that's what we're talking about in this series and and it's really hard. Yeah, and um I'm kind of like adding a little bit of um commentary on that. I think part of the hang up is we immediately see the difficult um the hardship that that ask is going to bring about without fully realizing the benefit that will come from it. Yeah. So the downside's very apparent, and we don't really get to experience the upside until we go through it. Yes. The, the, you know, there's something about, like, I think uh, Book of Isaiah, New Testament, I think maybe Hebrews, talks about all of us like sheep have gone astray. You know, there's no one who does right, no, not one. Yeah. And each of us have gone to our own way. We just think if we decide the way we're going to go, that's going to be better. We think that's the, the that's the answer. That's the garden story. You know, don't go that way. Go this way. You can eat all this stuff. This is life. This is goodness. That is not. That will destroy you. If you eat it, it will kill you. But we look at it and we think, well, it looks good, so it must be good, and I want to do it my way anyway. Yeah. And really what it is is when we look at something and it's our way, we're, we're, we're looking at ourselves going, I like my way better. I trust myself. I'm going to do this better. And, I mean, we just, we, we're just we just creatures that do that. We just think that we know better than God does. And, yeah, when God calls us to lay down our lives or just 
follow him down the pathway that may not be as easy, um, we might look at that and go, well, that's suffering or that's bad. And, you know, there's just such a misunderstanding of suffering in the world and challenges and, and, and climbing hills and doing things that are worthwhile. Because like I said on Sunday, anything that we've ever done that we think has meaning is hard. Yeah, Anything. Sure. It's Everything. all hard. So God is not going to, he wants to give you more meaning, but that doesn't mean he's going to take away all the difficulty. It is difficult to do something that matters. So you've determined that going to the gym and paying for the membership and spending those hours and eating that way, you've determined that difficulty that that is good enough for you to spend your time on. So now God says, I think you should spend your time on this. And we just kind of go, well, it doesn't seem like it would be worth it to me. And it, maybe it'll cost too much. And if you really look at you know, what it would cost you, it's not so much that it costs more. It's just that it's, it, you're not deciding. Yeah. So when, he's, when he says die to self, he's not saying die. He's saying, you need to trust me more than you trust yourself in terms of what is best for you. And I will help you discover self that way, what it means to be human. And it's uh, very, very complicated, very difficult for people to ever really acquiesce. And I mean, I would say that in a certain sense, all day long, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle for me. Yeah. To just for me too. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, you're you get tired, you get whatever, whatever it is. And uh yeah. Uh one element of that, um, you know, people being devoted to go to a gym to transform their body. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of what we would become, like a lot of people that have done that process and we're involved in that community and we get to see like if we the do these things we'll we can move into these results and maybe we don't put enough figures that people have devoted themselves to following jesus yeah and then looking at their life right as a reflection of their choices sure. in front of us often enough to yeah. know like if we do this if we die to ourselves to live for god then this is where we'll end up. Yeah. I think a lot of that is just the lack of awareness of the people that we might admire the most, Yeah, who we would say are Christian people. You might miss them because when you look at their life, you might say, oh, well, of course they're fine because they got it all together instead of thinking, well, maybe they got it all together because they you know, gave up parts of their desire for God's desire all along the way. And, and maybe we need to zoom in a little closer. I think about a lot of the families that I do weddings for, you know, and you look at the family, you know, and it's dad and mom and the kids. And there's like a peace, you know, in the family and dad's quiet, necessary, not, you know, just kind of there and, but, but like confident and you start to get to know them and you're like, oh man, I mean, this guy, like, you know, he spent his life trying to make his family know they're loved and know they're, you know, accounted for and taken care of. I was at a wedding this weekend and the father of the groom, you know, stood up at the re rehearsal dinner and was like, you know, you spend your whole life trying to help your kids grow up and make them, you know, love God and love people. And you just don't know, but since since he met her and I can think about, 
your daughter and how wonderful it's like, man, okay, I must've done something right. Yeah. And I, I just think that like, we need to pay more attention to the people who we, who we want to be. And this may, this might sound confusing. I do think that spiritual leaders should obviously be an example. A hundred percent. Paul tells Timothy to be an example. You know, we're supposed to be examples of what it looks like to yield to Christ. Um, but I, I would, I would encourage everybody to make sure that you don't just have uh, the pastor of your church uh, as your role model, but like people who are living lives like you, yeah, who have decided to follow Christ, and it, you can see it different in their marriages. You can see it different in the way they do their work and conduct their business. You can see it different in their families. You can see it different in their friendships. And it might just look like everything's at peace, but if you look back, there's a, a trail of just battles that have been fought and that and people don't know about it. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of men and women are fighting battles. Nobody ever knows about and they're going through it. And certainly the enemy has tempted them and, and they've had, and they've also had failures and they're not perfect, but there they are. And that's who you want to be like. Um, yeah. So I would just encourage people. I think it's a great point. Why in the world don't we put more examples up or at least notice the ones who are really good examples? Yeah. And, and give the credit where it's due. Give the credit. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, a, in some church cultures, like whenever anyone's like being faithful to God, there's a lot of cultures like, that's not you. That's the Lord. And I hate that sentiment. Yeah. It's like, there is a part of the reality of following Christ where and in, in, even in John chapter six, Jesus gets at this, that nobody can be drawn unless the Lord draws them and opens up their heart. And that's a whole other conversation. But someone who chooses to follow Christ every day, that is a choice that God gave them the ability to make. And so and we're, not, we're not saying that, I mean, th their life is to bring glory to God, but that doesn't mean that like they're just a robot that didn't make choices and didn't yeah. fight hard and didn't didn't you know stumble and fail and whatever fall forward all that stuff so i think i think there should be you know more recognition of the people like that so on the thread of dying to oneself so that we can live for god um if you could give us like one or two practical things mm -hmm. that we could do this week mm -hmm. to move us in that direction what, yeah, what would talk they be Yep. We talked about that at staff meeting, you know, so the Holy Spirit is not in you to necessarily teach you new things, but to, to inspire you, encourage you, remind you of the things you already know to do. Right. So now I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't sometimes have revelations for people or they might not understand something or whatever that the spirit might teach them in the moment. But the spirit is called the helper. It, you know, it's the one who comes alongside you. So Jesus's whole exchange about the spirit of God is that he's going to be with you and he's going to help you and he's going to do all that stuff. And so what, what you should have when you're following Christ is you should have constant little promptings as God has transformed your mind and I talked about that in a couple of weeks ago that when the mind gets transformed, it's like the manager of the restaurant 
dealing with the issues as opposed to just the server. It's like, if you've ever asked, can I speak to the manager because something's going wrong? The manager of our lives is our mind. So if something's going wrong, the mind has to change and then it can start to filter through the rest of our, so your mind gets changed. And that's a powerful reality of God opening your eyes, you learning truth, you seeing Christ and seeing a new and living way. And you understand it, you comprehend it. And then the spirit is going to come along and help you actually do those things. And so that's where the transformation really becomes holistic is through the, from the mind into the reality of your day-to-day living and the micro moments that, uh, that are promptings from the spirit and so what I would tell someone to do is just in a, in, a, in a day of massive alertedness, just anything that you feel, you sense the spirit prompting you to do, drop everything and do it right away. Drop everything and do it right away. Like do it. Now, don't, don't drop, you know, your responsibilities that you have already made a commitment to. This is where people go really, really wrong. The spirit is, and you got to know it's the spirit. So, because he's not going to lead you to do something ridiculous or stupid or foolish because that means you don't understand what what he's there for because he's leading you towards love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what he's going to try to get you to irrigate in your life. So he's not going to say, don't call your wife back. Go talk to that lost person. That's not what the spirit is ever going to say. He's going to say, call your wife back. That, that, that's your, that's your primary commitment. You know, he's going to say whatever. So, so, but when you're just in those moments and you can see that's what God wants me to do. Don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. Go and do it. Call them, answer them, do whatever it is that moment is. I would say that that would be the first thing is a practical thing. And then, and then, you know, start to make that a daily um, part of your preparation. You know, as you're in, in the morning, I don't know. I, I, I typically pray the Lord's prayer in the morning, you know, so Jesus leads the Lord's prayer. It's lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. So think about those words, lead me not into temptation. And and also help me forgive my trespassers as, as you know, forgive my debts as, as I forgive those who, what is it? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. So the spirit of God is going to lead you um, you want him to lead you towards kingdom building. Yeah. He's going to lead you towards forgiveness, right? And so go ahead. And as soon as those things, you're asking him to prompt you in the morning, you know, blow out that prayer a little bit and say, God, I want I want to listen to you all day today and help me be aware of your presence and your prompting in my life all day today. Today I'm going to do it and you know uptick the frequency of your alertness. Uh this is one of the reasons why uh, many like the Israelites would stop and pray all throughout the day. There'd be like moments where like they would just all stop and pray. And uh 
I think that makes sense. You know, it's like we 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 go on our way and we forget about God. Yeah. We just go and we forget about God. It's like imagine if you were conscious of the presence of God and and willing to do the little promptings that he asked you to do. Now again, the whole point of this message is it's going to cost you. Like it's going to be hard. You know, and so you you might just ask God for mercy and say, God, you know, would you like kind of taper me into this a little bit here? Because I feel like if you ask me to go nuts, but like ask me to do something and then be faithful with it. And then you'll grow in your faithfulness to his promptings. Um, I think that a lot of, of the Christian faith is so much more simple and quiet and humble and so those moments they're not going to be these extravagant things it's just going to be your obedience to to live the way you're supposed to live yeah and it's going to cost but again it's going to cost you a lot more to do the alternative well the cost is worth it it's it's worth it's it it's like when i pray for patience or right pray for wisdom you know like praying for patience and then my kids are off the rails you know, you develop, you have yeah. an opportunity to you do. develop patience. You do, right. And then praying for wisdom and you go through something that was like a really hard lesson to learn mm-hmm. and it makes you better from it. Right. I, I talked about how it's an adjustment from dreaming and scheming about your future to teeming and theming your future with Jesus. And yeah. so I really think another practical thing is how can your, how do you think of teaming up with Christ? This idea of, I haven't, I haven't talked enough about this, but like this idea of the Holy Spirit is your partner. You know, he's, he's alongside you. Think about that for a moment. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're talking to God, you know, are you just talking to a far off God that you're hoping watches you and sees you? Are you talking to a God who's made himself like available and you become the temple of God? And now he's going to walk with you and be with you and prompt you. Imagine spending every morning saying, okay, God, what are we going to do? What are, what are we going to do today? Yeah. But just ask that. God, what do you, what do you want me or what are we going to do today? You know, and help me be aware of that and listen for a minute and be like, what does he want me to do today? What does he want me to do today? Because it's not just a time to pray. It's a time to activate the the personal connection with God in the morning. And and it's not supposed to start and stop, right? I mean, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. So praying without ceasing is a constant acknowledgement of the awareness of God. So you don't have to talk all the time. Yeah, you're just aware of the You're just aware that he's there and, and you're acting as if he's there. A, a good analogy is, if you ever have house guests. So following Christ is like having house guests. And so think about if you have a house guest, just that's a fun analogy to start thinking about. Think about how you are when, when the house guest isn't there. Yeah. Right. I mean, the clothes you wear, the things you do, the, the way you talk, yeah. all that stuff. Your house is usually a little more cluttered. Yeah. More cluttered, all that stuff. Well, so when we're following Christ, we're saying like, I want you to move in. Yeah. 
And so that's what Jesus is getting at with this, this, you got to drink, you know, drink my blood, eat my, I'm moving in. And so like, it's like, oh gosh, who would want, I mean, we had like, you know, we love my sister and her kids and it's awesome for our kids, but like we had them at the house for a week. And even if it's perfect, you know, it's still hard. Yeah, definitely. It's still hard. And so Jesus is calling us to, it's like some of us want to have like a moment with God, but not every moment with God. Imagine how different it would be and how different you would talk if you were fully aware of the presence of God all the time, like a house guest. Yeah. The way you talk in the kitchen, you know, like how would you be, how would you do that next work meeting? How would you, that's your theming, your teaming with God. You're with me. You're here. Uh, there's actually a movie I love called Meet Joe Black. I haven't seen it. Or it might just be called Joe Black. It's with Brad Pitt. And he is in the movie, he's the angel of death. And it's with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, and he's this really wealthy, um, uh, he owns like a communications company. And he's super wealthy. I mean, like mansion, like penthouse on, you know, Manhattan. And then like, the island house and he flies helicopters back and forth. And so Brad Pitt shows up in his life uh, and starts talking to him and then shows up and he's wearing this black suit and he's with him. And all of Anthony Hopkins, like number one guys, including like his future son-in-law, which adds like a whole other layer of drama. And there's a whole story of romance in there going on. But what's fascinating is Joe Black is like, he's like the angel of death or the angel of light or he's God or something. It's kind of like ambiguous how they frame him, but he's certainly like the spiritual being. And he kind of just wants to spend time with this Anthony Hopkins character. And he's basically like, I'm going to be here. And Anthony Hopkins is like, you can't be here. He's This guy's a powerful man who can do whatever he wants. And he's like, if I don't, if I'm not here, then neither are you. So he basically like, so like, like within a moment in one day, J Joe Black meets him at his office. He goes back into like a board meeting. This guy comes in. No one knows him. All of his best friends who he's been partners with for 30 years are just like, so who's that? He's like, uh, this is Joe, Joe Black. And he's going to be uh, helping me. And there's these guys that are like so intimately involved with mergers and business. And now Joe is sitting in the meeting and he's actually talking about, I don't want to do, we're not going to do that merger. <laughs> That's and I they're mean. just like, who is this? And he's like, he's going to be here. <laughs> That's just what it is. And he's changing. So then they go to his family dinner and it's like, you know, in a penthouse and like all of it, it's intimate. And this guy's sitting at the table and no one in the fit. Dad, who is this? Who's this guy? Imagine, right? Like that's that's the reality of, I think, taking up your cross. Yeah. Is you're just like hanging out and he's always there. And honestly, it's annoying to think about. We all want our personal time. Like you're always there. Oh, but if we understood, if we knew what they provided which is life and direction and love and acceptance and a sense of self and a sense of future and pattern and worth and the God of the universe, we would, we would, we might be, it might be difficult to invite him in, yeah. but 
to have someone as good as God in, in, the, in an intimate place in our hearts where we're constantly aware of him and following his leadership, the pain of not having him would be so much after having him. And we understand that it is good, but if we could really understand how good it was, mm-hmm. we would never want anything else. Yeah. I think that so much of the the story of of scripture is about connection and in proximity to God. You know, Revelation 21 says, uh, I behold, I looked up and I saw the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and earth coming down like a bride to his groom. And it says, look, now God is amongst the people. Now God's dwelling place is here and he will wipe away every tear and he will bring us peace and joy. And, and, and the whole, the whole like reality when this thing comes into full, um, f- the, the fullness of what the resurrection started will be God's dwelling place is back amongst the people. Yeah. And so it's, that's what the whole story is about. Um, so we get some of that now. I feel like we're at a good spot to All start right, wrapping things up. Thanks for being here with us, everybody. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, if you're getting any value from it, uh, please tell a friend at church. Go up to somebody uh, next week and let them know that you're listening to the rest and that you think they should too. We, uh, we appreciate the support. All right, tune in next week for part six of Who Are You Wearing on The Rest.